Hello, and welcome to the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. This is your resident card slinger, Susanna, here with episode 42 of the podcast. Wow, I can't believe we're already at 42. Um, I had no real plan for how this would go, as I've probably said. I just kind of started talking, and then you all listened. Um, If this is your first episode, welcome. If this is your 42nd episode, uh, welcome back. So... I really wanted my 42nd episode to be my interview with Egypt Ernash, who does a lot of really great comic work, as well as the amazing Tarot of the Silicon Dawn. However, I do need to get the audio worked out. Shout out to my friend Nathan for always helping me out with my audio issues. So unfortunately, I'm going to postpone that so that I can give you the best sounding episode that I can. So... I didn't really know what to record. Um, I am neck deep in nursing school and unfortunately doing kind of poorly. So hopefully I'll have that worked out. Um, I am doing some uh, work on that, some very Eight of Pentacles-y work. So if you hop on over to my Instagram, I uh, will be documenting some of that work there, mostly in my stories, but maybe I'll have some occasional other posts. So... I wasn't really sure what to talk about, but my rather off-the-cuff episodes have been a hit. And so, I, full disclosure, I am utilizing Instagram a lot more lately. Um, trying to make my page look a little bit more cohesive, trying to reach more people, trying to give more of a service. So um, I'm doing things like having some discussions on tarot topics on there, and I thought, you know, why don't I bring some of that to the podcast episode? I uh, have it in a little bit more of a, a spot where you can get it more easily. Words are hard for someone who considers themselves a writer and talks for at least an hour a month about topics, but it has been a long day. Um, so... I thought um, about a couple of common topics. Now, I also thought this might be apropos for the 42nd episode because of the, you know, 42 is the answer to the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. But, um, you know, that's that's sort of absurd and uh, up for contention. And... The topics I'm covering today are also kind of contentious topics in the tarot world. I don't think I have really done an episode on these. So I wanted to discuss um, jumper cards. I wanted to discuss reversals. And I also wanted to talk about significators. So this is sort of an advanced episode, I guess. I mean, it's not super duper beginner friendly because it's not, you know, here are the exact meanings of the cards. It's it's a little bit more stuff that you think about when you're reading more frequently, more often, more regularly, and you're developing your style. So um, I guess we'll start with jumper cards. So the idea of jumper cards are, the idea of jumper cards is that when you're shuffling the deck, Um, If a card falls out while you're shuffling or more than one card, it's supposed to be significant and you should include it in your reading, either start your reading with it or kind of keep it to the side as extra guidance. 
this is sort of a, a mildly contentious topic in the tarot world. And I think that a lot of that issue really derives from the different styles of tarot card readers. Um, you know, you have your very, very traditional readers, and then you have less traditional readers. The very traditional readers, and it's interesting because I mainly read with the Rider Waite. Um, I mainly stick to Rider Waite interpretations, and I am often quite comfortable using some, some very standard spreads or approaches. But um, I, like I do in much of my life, find myself a bit in the middle here because very traditional readers often view jumpers as extremely significant. Uh, they would never disregard a jumper. Me, however, um, anyone who knows me knows that I am very, very clumsy. I'm not quite Bella Swan in Twilight level clumsy, but I frequently say ow. And my husband or some of my friends who spend more time with me frequently say, what the heck could you have possibly hurt yourself on right there? You're on your bed. And the answer will be that I smacked myself or I don't know. I have just, I have hurt myself in wild and very unintentional ways. Um, I also trip over air a lot and I lose grip of things somewhat frequently. Um, my B vitamin levels are fine. I think it's just, a, I don't know what it is, honestly. Um, but, you know, I, I do lose grip of these things somewhat frequently. This does not affect my work as, as a, in the medical field, FYI, very focused when I'm doing that. Um, it's more if I'm multitasking or not focused on something, that's when I'm more likely to, to drop something. So if I am you know, shuffling kind of carelessly, if I'm trying to be quick and I have a line of tarot clients building and I fumble a shuffle, I'm not very inclined to think that a jumper card there is significant. Um, I know myself and I know when my hands feel like they're being butterfingers. However, there are definitely times when I find jumper cards significant. Um, if I'm being very careful with shuffling and one still comes out, if I get the same card that pops out twice. I mean, yes, there's probably some good physical reasons for that. Maybe the card's a little bit more bent or textured or whatever. But you're not here listening to me talk about, you know, the physical properties of a card that will make it more likely to get drawn. Although I guess that's something to consider. No, what what's significant to me there is if it's the same card a couple times. And... I also um, note if the card is extremely relevant to whatever the topic is. Uh, this morning I was doing a reading for a friend and the high priestess came out and I was being very intentional and I decided to incorporate it and it was the right missing piece for that, um, that reading. So I was very happy with that. And that might sound inconsistent to you. Like, oh, you're just picking and choosing when it's working. I've been reading cards for 17 years. I have been reading them on a pretty much daily basis for the last five. Well, I guess now I'm daily. I've definitely been daily for the last three. Um, but I've been, I've been just about a daily reader for the last five years and on and off for the 12 before that. 
So I have a lot of experience in how I relate to cards and I've had a lot of time to formulate what works for me. That works for me, again, because of my length of experience, which is we're going to go into that with reversals as well. Um, if you are someone who reads cards and feels that it's a very spiritual endeavor, if you feel that you have a, a spirit guide or guides or you're accessing the divine in some way, then jumper cards are probably a more significant message for you a higher percentage of the time than they are for me. I definitely get my knickers in a twist when someone claims to be an expert on tarot and insists that it must always be a message from the divine. Especially in the year of our Lord 2019, where we have all these different approaches. We have evidence of tarot being an international thing. We have evidence of tarot being used as a game and not a divinatory tool. Uh, lots of it, actually, and it's still used as a game in France, just, just a card game. So oh, getting hung up on the one true way to do things really bothers me, as you may have noticed if you are a regular listener. So I choose not to use jumpers most of the time. I, most of the time I also don't get them because I am usually fairly careful when I'm shuffling again because I'm focused on it. But... You know, if I am doing my Patreon readings and what I do is I have my list of people that I read for and I go down the list and I shuffle my cards. I usually use one deck for all of my Patreon patrons. I shuffle my cards. I lay them out. I take a picture thinking about that person, go down the list, and then I go back and I, you know, type up for each card. But I like to have it all picture, you know, pictured out so that I can go back and type whenever and wherever because I can do all that on my phone if I need to be somewhere else and not at my computer. But I can't always take the pictures. I like to take them in daylight and on a particular table and blah, blah, blah. So if I'm doing that, you know, I'm often standing up. I'm trying to get the right lighting. I'm dealing with my cats. I'll have a jumper card sometimes. I don't consider that a real jumper. I consider that a clumsy shuffle. So that's what I think about that. Um, again, I sometimes I feel they're significant. It, it's a very case-by-case -case basis for me, and it depends on my mindset, and it depends on you know, what the card is. And it doesn't mean that you know if it's just some random you know, minor arcana, I'm not going to think it applies. I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to see if I feel that, that zing of recognition. Um, I don't always talk about that because I try to keep my tarot advice a little bit more neutral a little bit more open to interpretation and accessible to people who are approaching from very different perspectives but you know if if you're in any kind of creative field or maybe even if you're not in a creative field maybe just at your job whatever your job is when you're doing something right you kind of know it so that's my approach to that that is also kind of my approach to reversals what are reversals? If you don't know, reversals are when the cards are upside down. So if you're doing a reading, and it's another reason why I like to do more than just one card, although a single card reversal, you know, is, is a thing. But I like to do more than one card because you get to see some patterns. And 
if I'm doing a reading and I look and I notice that a lot of the cards are reversed or perhaps all of them, the first thing I do is not to assume that everything is reversed. The first thing I do is I look at my deck of cards and I see if all the cards are reversed or the majority of them are reversed. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes I, you know, especially if I'm doing an event and I'm picking my deck up and I'm putting it down and I'm picking it up and I'm putting it down, you know, I'll look at it and I'll go, oh, I just picked that up upside down. And what I do then is if, let's say I have five cards, let's say if four out of the five cards are reversed, I look at my pack and I say, oh, everything's reversed. I will unreverse all the cards except for the one that had come out right side up and then I'll reverse that one. Maybe part of the reason I do it like that is because, again, I'm a nursing student in, in healthcare, and the first thing you do is assess. If someone's oxygen saturation is reading 60, but they're sitting there and talking to you, you don't assume that they are really not able to breathe. You look and see if the sensor is on their finger right. Maybe it's not. Maybe they have a, a fake nail. Maybe their hand's really cold. Maybe it's fallen off their finger and it's reading funny. The same thing with tarot. Um, I will never reverse just because I don't like a reverse card. Um, I do tend to unreverse my cards fairly regularly, particularly at the beginning of an event. I like to kind of get my deck in order. Every so often, especially if I'm concerned that I'm missing a card, I also go through my decks and I put them in order. Literally, I do the, the major arcana in order. I do the minors from ace to you know, king and queen. Um, I guess I usually end with king, which, you know, is its own issue. But I, I work with reversals. I'm definitely not scared of reversals. Um, I also don't necessarily think that it makes you a better reader to incorporate them or not. I mean, if your rationale for not incorporating them is that you find them too dark, that's another issue. Um, I don't think that tarot is the right divinatory method for you if you're afraid of a negative or difficult situation arising. I guess realistically, no method is at that point because people have difficult and you know negative questions and concerns. Not everything is going to turn out roses and puppies. But... Um, I do tend to read the cards pretty holistically. Um, I also tend to look at what's around them. So if I have a lot of wand cards, a lot of fire, even if they're all good fire cards, I still warn about burnout. Um, I still warn about the tendency to be over-focused and, you know, kind of scare people off with that intensity. So... I tend to read the cards with their, you know, quote-unquote positive and negative upright and reversed attributes, regardless of if they're actually reversed. But when it's reversed, that is a more um, definitive approach to reading it, I suppose. It's, it's definitely a more pronounced, you know, underscoring of that message. So, you know... It's up to you whether or not you read with reversals. There are also decks that don't incorporate reversals. Um, the Wild Unknown and the Toth decks are two of the major ones. Um, you know, 
It's also your choice if you want to use a deck that doesn't tend to use reversals and use reversals with it. Um, again, that, that does boil down to your bent as far as your beliefs about how important it is to follow those rules and who's making them and why. Um, I tend to follow those rules myself. I'm, I'm pretty lawful good, except when I get to chaotic good. Um, I, I tend to be lawful good as much as I would love to be chaotic good, more often particularly because of my devotion to Eris, the goddess of chaos. But yeah, I tend to follow it if a deck uh, does or does not work with reversals. Um, there are some readings I don't love to use reversals for, particularly my 12-spoked wheel reading. Um, I won't automatically unreverse cards if I see it, but if I realize I'm getting them, I might be more likely to go and reset that deck. Um, just because my 12-spoked wheel spread is big and it's a lot of work for both me and for the person receiving the reading, honestly, um, because it does kind of go hard. So, you know, for that kind of thing, I feel like the messages are dense enough and complex enough without needing to rely on reversals. But I like to use them. Um, I really do. As as much as I sound like I'm, I'm saying not to use them, I do use them. I do like using them. But um, I don't think they're the be-all, end-all. I think a lot of readers get very holier-than-thou about it when it's, you know, really not necessary. Um, like, we, we all read differently. So, um, yeah, decide what you want to do in your practice. And, you know, again, my, my only caution is if you find that you're shying away from reversals because you're afraid of a negative reading, um, I don't think you're ready to be reading tarot cards, quite frankly. Um, I'm sorry if that sounds rude. I do have a glass of wine with me. No, I, I've had like three sips of wine. But um, you know, not, not that you can't be kinder when reading tarot. I just feel like you should be ready to approach some, some harsher, more difficult truths um, with, with using tarot. And, you know, I know a lot of people feel like they can, you know, kind of get around that by using Oracle decks. Oracle decks can deliver just as harsh messages, even if they're light and fluffy angel decks. Um, don't discount someone just because they're using a, a nice or fluffy seeming deck. Some of my cutest decks give some of the hardest hitting readings. I had this really intense reading for a client my last event, um, about her relationship and I use my Tarot Nova, which is like cute and cartoony. And, um, that, that reading wasn't pulling any punches, unfortunately. So, um, you know, don't, don't assume that you're not going to get a punchy reading from a cutesy or feminine or whatever kind of deck. Um, and don't think I'm saying that just because you're using a, a non-tarot deck that you're automatically shying away from it. As I've said, tarot is this very specific system, and I feel like you should, you know, really respect the the rules there. I do long distance running, and respecting the distance in marathon training is a thing. You know, most reasonably healthy people can go and run or run walk a 5K, which is about 3 miles, 3.1 miles if we're getting exact, and be fine. Maybe they'll be a little sore for a day or two, but 
at minimum, you're just going to walk yourself through it and you're going to be fine, maybe a little embarrassed. Um, marathon training is a whole other beast. And I'm not saying it's impossible to finish it. I know someone who finished one with very, very little training, but it's generally a bad idea, um, both for yourself and your body. And because, you know, if you're pushing the time limits on a course, uh, because you didn't train, that can be dangerous for other people. It's taking resources away in case someone has an emergency that they, they really couldn't have anticipated. Um, so I kind of feel that way about reading tarot. Like, you should kind of know what you're getting into for your sake and for your the people you're reading for sake, if you are indeed reading for other people, uh, which not everyone does. So the third topic I really wanted to cover in this um, are significators. Significators are a card that you select to represent the querent, and they're usually incorporated into the reading either very consciously, like with uh, a Celtic cross, although I don't use them in my Celtic cross, um, and I don't even think I discussed this in my Celtic cross episode, um, or used to uh, help divide the deck and, you know, figure out where to start in it. So um, I think some, I believe some Crowley methods have you find, you know, divide the deck into stacks and find your significator in the stack and if you you know if you choose a stack and the significator is not in it you start over um you know to make sure that you're you're using the right the right parts of the deck um if i sound a little dubious there that that's because i am um this is not how i read tarot but not to say there's not any value in it it's just not what i find valuable about tarot but um so what is the significator that i'm talking about so Significators are traditionally court cards chosen to represent the person getting the reading via their age, their gender, and sometimes their astrological sign. Um, That's a very traditional way to choose a significator. So younger people get the pages, um, young women get the pages, whereas younger men tend to get the knights. Um, and kings and queens are men and women. Now, I've talked before about queering up the tarot. Um, I've definitely had queens represent men in readings, um, particularly uh, LGBTQIA men um, or you know, masculine presenting people who may look very stereotypically masculine but are, are gender nonconforming in some way or other. So... Um, definitely consider that when you're doing your readings um you know if you want to stick to that hard and fast method that's fine another way that significators are often chosen is to look at the cards and see which of the court cards most closely physically resembles the querent again we get into this diversity issue where a lot of these decks are very homogenous. They're very white. They're very straight. Um, you know, I don't even feel that I have a card that really looks like me in tarot, and I am pale and red. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very red, pale person. But, um, you know, 
even with that, I, I often feel that I don't, I don't have a card that I can look at and go, okay, I feel this represents me. Maybe the Queen of Swords, but she's still my mother in my head. Um, although I, I do look like my mother, especially when I'm doing tarot card readings as a, uh, a friend captured me doing readings the other day. Um, I'm like, oh my God, I look like my mother. It's not a bad thing. She was not a bad looking lady. She was just a lot. So anyway, um, as you can see, there's some limitations with choosing your significator via that method as well. Um, that gets even trickier if you're using a non-standard deck like the Wild Unknown or the Tarot of the Mystical Cats, where they're not human. Um, so you can, you know, you can go with taking the, the actual gender part out of it and going with an active, passive energy kind of thing. You can involve your querent and ask them what they feel more like, um, Another method for choosing significators is actually to look beyond the court cards and to pick a significator card, whether it's one that the client looks at and feels a, a resonance with or one that you pick depending on the situation. So if you're reading about a breakup, you could choose the Five of Cups, for example. Um, that's a slightly non-standard, slightly newer version of a significator. I really don't read with significators. Um, I don't actually believe I've ever done a reading with one, but I've been thinking about incorporating them more because, you know, as I've said before, I like to science out my readings and I think it might be fun to play with. Um, being the non-standard person that I am, I think that I would like to use that last significator method that I suggested, which is finding a card that represents the client's concern. Um, and either doing a reading with cards surrounding it or looking at least at the cards in the deck that are on either side of it. So let's say um, I'm waiting for a message. I'm waiting to hear about a work promotion. Um, I could either use the Ace of Pentacles or the Ace of Swords. If I'm specifically waiting for a phone call, I would probably use the Ace of Swords because of communication. So I shuffle up my deck and think about it and uh, when I feel it's good and shuffle, I turn it over and I fan through the cards until I find the Ace of Swords. And then I look at the card before it and after it to get a sense. Um, that's, again, it's not something I've played with very often. I might have done a reading like that once or twice, but it's nothing that I remember at this point. So um, that's one way to incorporate a significator. You could also just kind of keep it there as something to kind of keep your client invested, um, although I really try not to do any kind of anything that could be considered a party trick. Not that I'm saying that significators are always a party trick, but I don't want it to come off that way. So I don't, you know, I don't like to do things that give off that appearance. Um, and finally, um, as I mentioned with that Celtic cross, you know, in a Celtic cross, if you're not familiar, the Celtic cross is a fairly standard reading. Um, it's usually uh, 10 cards laid out in a very specific, you know, past, present, future, above, below, um, what is crossing the present situation, um, your thoughts and feelings about the situation, outside influences, your hopes and fears summed up in one card, and an outcome or word of advice. I changed this myself. I like to have hopes and fears as two cards. 
Um, I've discussed this in my uh, Celtic Cross episode. That is episode number 21, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that. But, um, you know, so in this case, you'd use the significator to start the reading in the present spot, and then you'd lay out the rest of the cards around that. Um, and then you'd, so you'd have, you know, your significator being the person, and then what issue are they dealing with would be the card crossing that person. Um, I do like the concept of choosing particular tarot cards to meditate on or use in spells um, or even build a deck around. So I guess, or not a deck, a, a reading around. So I guess in that situation, that, that is sort of the idea of a significator. Although I use them more for uh, inspiration, spell work, etc., rather than building a reading around it. Um, but you could. But... Um, as much as I don't necessarily think that the randomness of the cards is crucial to the reading, if I'm doing a reading, I, I tend to like to see what story plays out by not choosing cards. A story that you're getting some chance to, to stretch your, your muscles around instead of um, a story that you're creating. There's pros and cons to both of these methods, but I like to see what story the cards are telling without my interference and influence. So again, as I've said for the other two things I covered here, try it out, see if it works for you. Um, I'd love to hear from you if you are someone who uses significators regularly and how you use them. Uh, please hit me up. So I guess we're at that portion of the episode because we're coming up on half an hour. So I'd love to hear from you. I'm antifragiletarot at gmail.com. Um, please email me with any comments, questions, concerns, ideas for future episodes. Um, if there's anyone you'd like me to try to interview, let me know. Um, I obviously probably can't get an interview with any of the really big names, but you know, if there's someone who's a little more approachable, um, more on a, a, a minor leagues level, um, let me know. Uh, I'm, I'm not even minor leagues level. I am, I am not even little league. I'm like in my backyard with a t-ball bat and maybe something to hold the ball for me. Um, but no shade, no shade meant to anyone, not even myself. Um, but just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to like interview, I don't know, Biddy Tarot or Benna Bell Wen. Uh, I mean, maybe I could interview Benna Bell Wen, but that sounds like a long shot. I don't know. Maybe I'll ask. Um, yeah, let me know if there's you know anything you'd like to hear me talk about or try to hear someone else talk about. Um, I have a couple of great interviews lined up besides my Egypt Ernash episode coming up. I have a couple of other interviews that I need to go and interview the people, but they're going to be really cool. Um, and I think you're really going to enjoy them. One from my dear friend Rory Kelly, uh, who does Sassafras Tarot, and another from a currently surprise guest who I will reveal closer to that date so stay tuned but they are someone who I have talked about very admirably a few times um I would love to interact with you on other platforms as well um I'm, again I'm really trying to make my Instagram a bigger thing so I'm anti-fragile tarot on Instagram I would love if you interacted more with me there comment on my posts comment on my stories I'm going to be asking questions and providing off the cuff insights and and whatever um so you know please i would love to interact with you there uh 
a follow and a like and, and regular commenting really, really helps a lot, especially if you can't donate any money to me. Um, it helps me get seen by other people. It, it's really helpful to me. So um, thank you to those of you who do interact with my Mystic Monday posts, which are not always with the Mystic Monday deck. Um, I will be doing my Monday posts a lot more regularly because I met one of my uh, longtime Facebook uh, interacting people. I'm Antifragile Terror on Facebook as well. Um, and she said that she specifically looks forward to the Monday ones. So you're going to see my Monday posts on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Tumblr. I'm Antifragile Terror on Tumblr. Although I really don't do the Tumblr thing right now. Um, I just port my things over from Instagram. I am also on Patreon. I'm Antifragile Terror on Patreon. And a dollar a month gets you access to my Discord, my Patreon only posts. Um, and five bucks a month gets you a couple free readings a year. Uh, well, it gets you one, one to two. Um, 10 bucks a month gets you two to three. And if you give me 20 bucks a month, you get a monthly reading to your inbox, um, as well as undying devotion. So, um, thank you for listening. Um, Oh, one more thing. I also have my Etsy. I do run sales. I do like maybe one sale a month. Um, I used to have codes for my Etsy for my sales, but I really wasn't getting much business that way. So I decided why not just have a sale for a set amount of time. Um, I'm probably not running a big sale again until my birthday in July, but you can expect some smaller sales between now and July. Um, and if you're listening to this from some point far in the future, uh, obviously this does not apply and there will be more sales at some point. Um, but I'm Antifragile Tarot on Etsy as well. I'm on Twitter. I'm not really the best tweeter. Um, I am Antifragile Card on Twitter if you want to interact. But really the best way to get a hold of me is my email, antifragiletarot at gmail.com. Um, love interacting with you all. Thank you so much for listening. I can't believe I'm still recording podcast episodes, but you all keep listening and asking for more. So here we are. Um, thank you again. I will be back in March. My first episode of March should be that episode about the Tarot of the Silicon Dawn. So stay tuned. It's going to be amazeballs. Uh, have a witchy and or wonderful rest of your month. Goodbye.